If you enjoyed podcasts like this, you should check out our other shows on Health Podcast Network. For example, Hopeful Hints, hosted by Dr. Tara, guides and supports those on the often challenging and isolating journey of women's health concerns and infertility. There's a particularly powerful episode that you should check out called All Things Endometriosis, which dives deep into understanding the condition to help the many women who suffer from endometriosis and have no idea they have it, and healthcare providers who are uneducated about it, making the diagnosis process so difficult. Check out Hopeful Hints on your favorite podcast platform or visit healthpodcastnetwork.com. Welcome to the Nurse Wellness Podcast, empowering nurses to manage stressors so they can intentionally reconnect with their purpose, optimize their wellness, and ultimately show up in the world the way they want to be seen. I'm your host, nurse practitioner, Wendy Garvin-Mayo, your stress solution strategist. In this podcast, you'll receive actionable stress management tips, insightful interviews, and strategies that focus on inspiring you to be your best, do your best, and give your best. With that, let's get started. Welcome to the Nurse Wellness Podcast. I'm your host, Wendy Garvin-Mayo, and I am so excited to be here with you today. In this episode, we will be talking about racism in nursing. The American Nurses Association is currently leading the National Commission to Address Racism in Nursing. This commission was developed on January 25th, 2021, to examine the issue of racism within nursing nationwide and describe the impact on nurses, patients, communities, and healthcare systems to motivate all nurses to confront systemic racism. This commission did a survey on 5,600 nurses to assess the impact racism has on nursing as a profession. And I want to share some of the results from the survey with you today during this episode. So the survey overall demonstrated that racism in the nursing profession is a problem. Personally, I'm not surprised, and we'll talk a little bit about that later. But in this survey, 63% of the participants experienced racism in the workplace. And they experienced racism by leaders, patients, and peers. 70% of the racism was experienced by leaders. And then right behind that was 68% of racism was experienced by patients. In the survey, three out of four participants said that they challenged racism in the workplace. However, over 60% of those participants said their efforts resulted in no change. It's very interesting that 70% of the racism came from leaders in healthcare because as a leader, you look to that person to develop you, to have your best interest at heart, to want to see you do well. So to work in an environment where you feel like your leader or leaders are racist, that can be very problematic for individuals personally and professionally. The survey also highlighted that racism, the experience of racism in the workplace, also impacts their occupational wellness. 
So we all know that racism is a big stressor in the United States, and it has been for many years. But because things have been going on in the media, it's amplified or magnified. So I'm sure you've heard of George Floyd, Ahmaud Arbery, Breonna Taylor, and many more who were high-profile cases where race played a factor that resulted in death. And because of these high-profile meteorized cases, many institutions implemented strategic planning around diversity, equity, and inclusion. However, despite having a DEI department or webinar or series or education, racism still exists and it starts with individuals. And the survey results from the National Commission on Racism in Nursing really shows this. And this is a problem because racism in nursing is not something that's readily talked about, but nurses experience it on a daily basis. In addition to the stress of the nursing shortage, as well as the pandemic that caused so many shifts in our lives, personally and professionally, racism just adds another layer. And to be honest with you, when everything was going on with George Floyd and Ahmaud Arbery and Breonna Taylor in the news, it seemed very new and shocking to everyone else, but for me, being a black woman in America, it wasn't shocking because it's things that I have witnessed growing up as a young black woman living in the inner city and experience as a grown black woman living in America. So for me, it wasn't shocking. And the statistics or results of the survey are not shocking to me because I know from my personal experience as well as talking to other colleagues who are minorities in the nursing profession. So I wanna switch gears a little bit and I wanna walk you through a story. I want you to imagine that you go to nursing school, you're so excited about contributing to the profession, about taking care of people sick people who are in need. You get through nursing school, which was not a cakewalk, as I say, and you graduate, you're working in the profession, and then one day you're asked to see Mr. Silver, who has a complaint and needs your service. So you are excited to go down and serve this patient because that's why you're there. That's why you're in the profession. So you go into Mr. Silver's room and before you can even approach Mr. Silver, he says, I don't want this N taking care of me. Get out of my room, N. What do you do as a nurse when you are there with pure intentions to serve this patient who is blatantly being disrespectful, shouting racial slurs at you, and in the company of your other colleagues, as well as other patients who are witnessing and hearing this. 
How would you feel if this was your situation? You're in the profession, you're at work, and you are there to take care of patients, but you can't seem to de-escalate this situation with this patient who's in need of your service. What do you do? And then to add injury to insult, when you talk to your manager about the incident, it's justified because Mr. Silver has a psych background. Mr. Silver is not mentally well. So it's justified by it's our job to de-escalate the situation. Everything is overshadowed by how those words may have impacted that nurse who came there to care for that patient. How does that make someone feel? What do you do with those feelings or those emotions? I would love to gain your insight because that was my reality when I went in to take care of a patient. It was the first time that I was blatantly berated that way by a patient. And honestly, I did not know how to process the feelings that I felt. And I left the facility feeling, I don't even know, I can't even put my finger on the feeling that I had, but I was left with those feelings. I was left with that experience. So what I did is I called my husband and told him the situation. And I I told him, I said, I just don't know how to feel, but I felt something. And I never really processed those feelings. And, you know, thankfully I didn't have to go back to that institution the next day. Um, Actually, I didn't go back at all, but it was such a missed opportunity for my leader to really be there and provide me the support and maybe even resources that I needed to process that, opposed to justifying it because Mr. Silver has a psych history. Words have power, as we know. We all know the power of affirmations. So the power of someone berating you with racial slurs does something to you subconsciously. And even right now, as I'm telling this story, I still haven't dealt with those feelings. But yes, that is an example of experiencing racism in the workplace. And just like the survey results showed, nurses experience racism from patients. And you can't control patients, you can't control leaders, and you can't control peers. However, when a situation happens, what do you do? A diversity, equity, and inclusion webinar, class, or series is not going to be the answer for that. So my whole point here is, Things will happen, but what do we do when they happen? How do we become more proactive in having resources for nurses who not only experience racism, but witness racism? Because I believe even if you're witnessing racism, it can still have an impact on you. 
How do we equip nurses with the tools and resources to stand up for what is right? Not uh, taking sides, but what is right? If you see something, you say something, but how do you intervene when you witness racism? How do you react when you are experiencing racism? What do you do? Where is the outlet for nurses? There's no one answer to this question, but I think it's important that we bring awareness to this issue of racism that impacts the mental and physical health of nurses who are experiencing or even witnessing racism in the workplace. And especially now in the midst of COVID, which is just an added stressor. So the awareness also just starts with how are you servicing your minority nurses? How are you servicing them? What's in place for nurses who experience racism? What are we doing about it? Now, the National Commission for Racism in Nursing put together some infographics and they have outlined the top 10 ways to be an anti-racist in nursing. Number one, become story catchers. Be intentional when hearing about others' experiences. To hear is to learn and understand, which leads to empathy with the person. Number two, be genuine. Do what you say you will do. Keep your word. If you don't have trust, you can't be an ally. Three, manage me. Resist Resist amygdala hijacking where generalizations cause you to act out of previous fear and pain, thus letting emotions take control of your reasoning. Four, maximize curiosity, minimize certainty. Ask yourself, why am I thinking about this person? Where did this originate from? And do I know what I think I know to be true. Five, distribute power. Give voice to and support with concrete action those without power. Minimize power plays in position, hiring, and patient assignments. Six, preserve the dignity of others. See the humanity in others. Are you viewing colleagues as a deficit to your team rather than an asset and why? Seven, stop labeling others. See other people as people. Eliminate ideas about superiority, inferiority, and where to place people on a hierarchy. Eight, expose unwritten rules. Examine your systems. Biases cannot be avoided, so tweak your systems to overcome it. Pivot to make adjustments based on what is going on in the world. Nine, support authenticity. Allow each person to be their authentic selves. Accept them with their differences. Don't force people to lose their uniqueness. Ten, manage perception. Consider how your decision 
policy will impact or affect those not part of the decision process. Don't get caught up in your own intent. The receiver only knows impact of what was done. So I think those are 10 um, really good starting points in terms of addressing racism in nursing. But I challenge us to take the infographics to our leadership to see if they are aware that they exist, that the survey was done, what are the results of the survey, and then move it forward. Have they done anything to operationalize the recommendations that were put forth by the American Nurses Association? In truly examining how this survey and the recommendations align with the mission and vision of the institution. And we can really use the API method to assess if they're effective. So we want to do an assessment, develop a plan, implement that plan, and evaluate that plan. And on an individual level, it's important for us to examine our own bias and really unpack them to see where do they originate from? How is it impacting your life now? Because many times we develop our bias based on how we were raised, who raised us, or even our current environment. So examine that to see if you were showing up in the world the way you want to be seen. And at the end of the day, it's really about accepting people for who they are, regardless of their race, their sex, their sexual preference, uh, the color of their hair, their age. It's just really accepting people for who they are and what they bring to the table because each of us brings something special to the table, a special gift. And it's up to us to get to know people, to connect with people so we can help unwrap that gift and appreciate the differences we all bring. It truly is about connection because at a cellular level, we are all the same regardless of our race, the color of our of our hair, we are all the same. So it's really about humanity and connection. So try to connect with someone. And the way you can do that is by listening, taking in their story, getting to know who they are, where they came from, how do they get to where they are. So it's really encountering people with some sort of curiosity and listening and getting to know each other. So I challenge all of you to Get to know someone different. Connect with someone different. We always talk about communication is the key. Connection is really the key, not communication, because you can't effectively communicate until you connect. So on that note, I hope you take care of yourself. I hope you enjoyed this episode, and I would love to hear your feedback on your thoughts on the survey, the survey results, as well as the 10 suggested ways to be an anti-racist in nursing. I will put the link to the survey results in the show notes. So I would love to hear from you. Please join the conversation. And until next time, take care of yourself. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and leave a review. Between episodes, you can follow the Nurse Wellness Podcast on Facebook and Instagram. Before you go, I would love to share a free mindfulness ebook with you. Go to stressblueprint.com backslash 35 and download your free copy. 
Until next time, go out and be your best, do your best, and give your best. If you enjoy podcasts like this, you should check out our other shows on Health Podcast Network. For example, Hopeful Hints, hosted by Dr. Tara, guides and supports those on the often challenging and isolating journey of women's health concerns and infertility. There's a particularly powerful episode that you should check out called All Things Endometriosis, which dives deep into understanding the condition to help the many women who suffer from endometriosis and have no idea they have it and healthcare providers who are uneducated about it, making the diagnosis process so difficult. Check out Hopeful Hints on your favorite podcast platform or visit healthpodcastnetwork.com.